Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. If you have your Bibles, and I really hope you do, we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible this morning but would like one, just simply lift your hand and we will be glad to put one in your hand. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and I want to pray, and I want to dive into one of the last few passages in the book of Malachi. It's just a few verses, verses 16 through 18 of chapter 3. Let me read these for us, and then I want to pray. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Today, I want to talk for just a few moments on fear and faith, fear and faith. Would you pray with me? God, God, I just need an unusual measure of your grace in this moment to stand on this stage and give your church and your people what they need. How would you use my mind to think your thoughts and use my mouth to speak your words? And would you soften all of our hearts, God? to hear, receive, and obey what you have for us today. And God, for anyone who has not yet decided to follow you, God, I pray that your word would do what only it can do. It would bring life in dead places. It would bring hope in hopelessness. It would bring transformation in disobedience. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray all God's people said amen and amen. Um, Pastor Neil preached last week, walking us through really the beginning part of the conversation. Um, Interesting, fun fact, uh, chapter four in the Hebrew Bible doesn't actually exist. It's actually just verse 19 of chapter three in the original Hebrew Bible, because it's one long conversation that God is having with his people. One final conversation that God is having with his people. Um, And he's centering on this idea of fear and faith. I wasn't here last week because I was traveling with the Charleston Southern men's basketball team. Um, some of y'all may know I've been the chaplain there for about four or five years. Um, and they went to a trip to Puerto Rico. And I went with the team just to kind of be there, get to know some of the guys, and had a chance to do a lot of things that I typically don't do. And those of you who know me, typically I don't choose to do these things, y'all. I went paddleboarding. So some of y'all ain't shocked by that because y'all don't know. Uh, I'm not what you call an outdoors guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I went paddleboarding for the first time, and yes, I did not stand up. I sat there the whole time. Um, I tried to stand up, fell immediately. I was like, all right, that's good. Um, so I was, I was the guy sitting on the board paddling. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. That was a good time. Uh, one of the things that I did that I kind of always thought about doing but really never had the opportunity was I went ziplining. 
Um, anybody ever been ziplining before? I want to know who thought of that. <laughs> like, hey, let's attach a cable to this mountain and have people just slide down. Like, I don't know who thought of that, but we went ziplining. Um, and it was three different kind of uh, zip lines and at different heights. And it was a thousand foot one and all these things are high. Um, and it was actually really cool because I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm afraid of heights, y'all, but I respect heights. Um, I, have a, I have a healthy amount of respect for, for heights. And so it was, a little, it was a little tension, right? It was a little tension. That first one was a little rough. Uh, you know, I was good on the ground, but as soon as you get off the ground, you begin sliding. You're like, okay, I'm stuck now. Like, this could be it, right? There's no, there's no way to survive if this thing doesn't break. And you're thinking all these crazy thoughts. But there was a sense of fear in my heart um, because I'm way up in the canopies flying over a, a lake and a river in the trees and all these other things. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a really good experience. The guys who hosted it did a really good job, felt really safe. Um, but there was a sense of fear sliding down that even though it was an enjoyable experience. And in a roundabout way, that's kind of related to the topic of for today, because fear of the Lord is one of those things that's hard to understand. We read verses like in 1 John that says that perfect love casts out all fear. Read verses like 1 Timothy that says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We read all these verses about how fear is a bad thing. There's about 360 plus commands in the Old and New Testaments that says, do not be afraid. Almost one for every day of the year is the command in the Bible, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And yet, over and over in Scripture, we hear this phrase, fear of the Lord. In verse 16, it's front and center. It says, those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In the presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. In this one verse, it's mentioned twice about those who feared the Lord. And that's the foundation of the truth that we got to get today. So I got to unpack this a little bit before we really understand what the prophet Malachi is saying. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Depending on your church background, you may already have an answer for that. You may think that to fear the Lord is to be afraid of the Lord. And that would not be true. To be afraid of the Lord is to have no faith in who the God of the Bible really is. You're only afraid of someone because you fear their actions. You are uncertain of what they would do. You are wondering when they're going to strike you down. And some of, you, some of us were taught that that is the way that God is. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the way that God is. Praise the Lord for that. Because if he was, this place would be empty. So what does it mean to fear the Lord if we're not to be afraid of the Lord? And it's the same way, the best way I can explain it to you is... is that moment that I was ziplining down a thousand foot cord of steel going at insanely fast speeds, there was a sense of fear, even though I was perfectly safe. There was a sense of anxiety even in that moment, even though I was perfectly safe. You see, what I was afraid of in that moment was falling to the ground, although it was not a real possibility. The awareness of where I was instilled a little bit of fear, rightfully so even. But was I afraid because the ground was mad at me? Was I, was I thinking that the ground was going to come up and grab me? No. I wasn't afraid of the ground doing anything other than what its character and nature dictated it do. But the awareness of my proximity to it raised a sense of awareness and fear. 
You see, fear of the Lord isn't fear of God's wrath. It's an understanding of who God is. It's an understanding of his awesome might and power and glory and wondrous nature and enshrouded in marvelous blinding light. And you being close to that should instill a little bit of a little bit of fear of the Lord. Um, I remember um, in church culture back in the 90s, I don't know how popular this was. I don't know if y'all remember. Um, but y'all remember the church, Jesus is my homeboy? I mean, how many people wore them shirts? No, I'm just playing. No, we're <laughs> uh, there, was this, there was this like fad. I don't know if, I don't know if it was like Christian culture in the 90s wanted to make Jesus cool. Right? Wanted to make like God like a, a cool guy. And it was like, the, y'all remember like the old commercials, like PC versus Mac? And it was like, I'm a Christian versus a Christ follower. Like, y'all remember that stuff? Y'all wasn't saved for real. Come on now. Y'all remember. Uh, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but if you grew up around church culture, there was a season where we wanted to make God cool. God accessible. Man, God, Jesus is my homeboy. Now, mind you, I was an unbeliever at this time. I was around church, but I wasn't a Christian yet. But even I read that shirt and I was like, mm, that don't seem right. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care per se, but that don't seem right to me. I began to hear that the casual nature from which people talked about God, and it just, even as a, as a person who wasn't yet in Christ, it felt like, mm, that don't seem right. Because there is a proper fear of the Lord. Now, what I'm not going to do is replace the word fear with respect, because they're not the same thing. And there's a brilliant study we could do on the, on the Hebrew word here, um, but it's not quite just respect. It is a fear. But it's not an afraid fear of punishment. It's an awareness of the awe and majesty. If you were walking across a plank on the ground, could you do that? Like a two by four just on the ground, could you walk across it? Most people could, right, on a good day. Now, if that two by four was placed across the Grand Canyon, could you walk across it? Nope. (laughs) The reality is you could. But the awareness of where you are and the consequences that are around you heightens that experience for you. As you get closer to the Lord, there should be a similar feeling. Not because the ground is mad at you, not because God is waiting to strike you down, because you recognize who God is as the creator of heavens and the earth, as the one who is enshrouded in blinding light, as the author and finisher of our salvation. And so to fear the Lord is to have him in the right place in your thoughts, minds, and affections. It's to see him rightly, not just to respect him and say, sir and ma'am and all these other things. No, it's, a, it's more than respect, but it's less than to be afraid. It's right there in the middle where you recognize this is God for real. Those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened. Those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened. You see, in this last section of Malachi, um, the prophet is contrasting two different people. Um, and if you did not hear last week's sermon by Pastor Neil, that's one of the best sermons I've heard in a long time, y'all. Y'all need to go back and listen to that sermon again. Because he did a phenomenal job unpacking the desires and motivations of those who want to have the form of godliness, but not the power thereof. See, this isn't a contrast between the world and the church. This is a contrast between the religious and the submitted. 
between those who are going through the motions to perform for others and those who are really living submitted lives. You see, the nation of Israel, no one was leaving Judaism. No one was rejecting the Jewish law. No one was rejecting the temple sacrifices. But there were some who were looking for what they could get out of God, not what God could get out of their lives. That was last week's sermon. Those those folks who were looking for the way out, those who don't quite believe and trust in God. And this week, he's contrasting those who are trying to manipulate and use God and the benefits thereof with those who are walking in the fear of the Lord and how God listens to them. And look at what it says. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. What does it look like to fear the Lord? And what is the benefit? What is the result of fearing the Lord? What does it look like to fear the Lord? When you recognize the might and power of God, it will compel obedience. It will compel worship. It's not that obedience and worship makes you a believer, but a believer who knows God will eventually lean more deeply and sincerely into worship and obedience. And he's saying that those who feared him, he wrote down their name in what Revelations 20 calls the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I want to give us a little bit of hope in this moment because this is one of the few bright spots in the book of Malachi. Most of the book of Malachi is calling an unrepentant people back to God and using strong language to highlight their sins and the holiness of God. But in this one section, God is carving out, says, there has been a people who fear me and I have not forgotten about them. I used to do some mentoring uh, when I was in Philadelphia in the school district. Um, and I had a student tell me something one time that I never forgot. The student said, the bad kids always get all the attention. You see, the student had never missed a day of class, made pretty good grades, and was oftentimes overlooked. But the kids who were always late, the kids who weren't doing what they're supposed to do, they got all the attention. And the child felt like, I'm doing the right thing. Where am I? And there's some of us in this room who've been living righteous lives and trying to submit our lives to God. And oftentimes we feel overlooked. God, where is your favor for me? I hear your activity towards the ungodly. I hear and see your activity towards those who reject you. But what about those who've been following you, even though it's hard? God, do you see me too? And the Lord says, not only do I see you, I hear you. Because the Lord listened. And here's the most encouraging part of this for me. What was the prerequisite for having your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you see it in verse 16? What did he say was the prerequisite, was the condition needed to meet in order to have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? It's those who fear the Lord. And here's why that's good news, family, because it's not those who did everything right. It's not those who walk righteously every single day. It's not those who never lost their temper at the job. It's not those who never said an unkind word to their spouse. It's not those who always did the right thing. No, it's those who feared the Lord. Those who put themselves in a posture of obedience and submission to him, even if every day wasn't as good as we would have liked. You see, the Old Testament and the New Testament says the same gospel and talks about the same God. 
Sometimes we think of the Old Testament God as this angry and vengeful God, and the, the New Testament God as this merciful and loving God, but it's the same God in both the Old and the New Testament, because even in the Old, he's saying, I'm not looking for perfection, I'm looking for a people who are called my own. I'm not looking for you to get it right, I'm, get, I'm looking for those who are looking for me, those who fear the Lord. Now, let me make a distinction that the Bible is going to make in verse 17. It says that they will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Verse 14 says, what's the use of serving God? That was the question posed last week. There were some who saw that serving God only brought troubles, and those who were living their own lives, doing things their own way, seemed to be winning all the time. And in verse 18, we find the answer that you will once again see the difference. One day when I come to judge the world, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Let me talk about faith and fear for just a moment. You see, there is a difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. There is a difference between those who fear the Lord and those who do not. And keep in mind that God is talking to the church. He's not talking about the world and the church. He's talking to his own people that even amongst those who call them my own, that call themselves the people of the nation of Israel, and that translating for our time, those who call themselves Christians, there will be a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. The New Testament talks about a parable of the weeds that grew up among the wheat. And the farmer said, no, don't pull up the weeds because it'll hurt the wheat. But one day when the threshing floor comes, we will separate the wheat and the chaff and the righteous and unrighteous. The sad reality for many of us, family, is we have been taught a religious, performative behavior and not a relationship with the sovereign Christ. And so many of us think that we are doing God a favor by doing the right things and trying to do more good than bad. And we're trying to balance all of our work so that one day we can make it in because we did more good than than bad things. And that is not how this works. Let me make it very clear. If you've never heard this before. To be a believer in Jesus Christ, to be righteous before the Lord, is to submit your life to him, not to do good things. Now, here's where it gets hard, because if you submit your life to him, will you do good things? Yes. That's the fruit that is produced in a spiritual transformation, but the spiritual transformation is what saves you. Y'all, the Lord, through the prophet Malachi, is calling his people to submit their lives to him, not just to be better Christians. He's not saying your checklist isn't long enough, add more things to it. He's saying stop withholding your life and lay it down on the altar so that God can get the glory out of your life that he deserves. Will it produce a changed life? Yes, but is a changed life by itself what saves you? No. Because here's the reality. You can fake it for a long time. You can fake it for, I know pastors, people that I knew, man, who ain't even walking with the Lord right now. 
and they will tell you that they lost their faith. But hearing their stories and talking with them over years, I've come to believe that, brother, you've never met Jesus. You just wanted to be a good person. And you started doing good things. And you could communicate really well. And so people put you into ministry and you felt the burden of not disappointing people. And for 20 years, you just faked it. Until faking it one day crushed you. And unfortunately, you know how Christian leaders cry out for help? They destroy their lives. That's the sad reality. The Christian leaders that we find in sin, that we find destroying their marriages, destroying their ministries, y'all, that was a cry for help. Because they couldn't just quit. They had to have it taken from them. And I can name brothers that I know that they have done that in their lives. And maybe you can name some names of folks who you used to go to youth group with, who you went to church with, and now you gauge where they are in the faith and they have walked completely away. And maybe they used to display gifts and lead and serve and do all these things, but the burden of faking it over time is unbearable. The burden of pretending to be righteous without the power of the spirit inside of you is eventually unbearable. And so the prophet Malachi is saying is stop pretending to be righteous. Stop relying on circumcision, O nation of Israel. Stop relying on being a tribe of the part of Judah. Stop relying on being part of this nation. Stop relying on the external artifacts of Christianity to save you. Do you know me? Do you fear me? Because you can't fear God from a distance. The fear of the Lord is to walk closely with the Lord. Anybody ever found yourself reading the scriptures or a moment of prayer and you had to stop because the knowledge of who God is began to overwhelm you? Like all of a sudden, it was like looking through a microscope and seeing how big God really was in your life. You don't get there from a distance. You can only get that way from being up close with him. But there are some who are on the outside who don't really fear the Lord. They're just going through the motions. And he's saying to them that you will see the difference one day. Because the sad reality is God won't cut you off from faking it. The parable of the wheat and tares means that the tares will grow with the wheat. Matthew chapter 7 the Six and seven talks about the, in the Sermon on the Mount, it gets to a place in the conversation where man is approaching God and he walks up to the gates. I can imagine full of pride and courage. Like, Surely today is my day. I'm getting in. And Jesus looks at him and says, depart from me. I don't know you. And what did the man say in response? Look at all the stuff I got. I, I casted out demons in your name. I healed the sick. I did all these things for you. Surely I'm going to make it in. Jesus says, no, you did do those things. I don't know you, though. Now, this should be a sobering reality check for us all. If you were looking at the fruit of your life to determine your, your closeness with Jesus, you were looking in the wrong places. Because here's the reality. I'm going to be personal for just a moment. God will grow this church for your benefit, not mine. 
God will use this worship and use these sermons to bless you for your benefit, not mine. So we can do all these things and I can look at all this fruit and still God wouldn't know me. And you may be looking at your life and seeing evidences of graces because God is a good God. You prayed for that job and you opened up a door. You prayed for healing and he brought miraculous intervention. You prayed for this thing and God is moving. You say, surely I'm going to make it in. You're looking in the wrong places. It's not, is God active in your life? It's, is God Lord of your life? See, God's goodness and character might lead him to do some things for you that you don't deserve. But that's the gospel. That's just who God is. But that don't mean you know him. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. Family, this is a call for us to get honest and to get real about our relationship with the Lord. Don't just do the stuff. Don't just show up here on a Sunday, give you a little money, serve on your team, give you a little time, show up to our outreach events. All that stuff is good. But if you are relying on that to be the evidence and the confirmation of your salvation, you are looking in the wrong places. When nobody else around, how do I see God? When I'm not in front of anyone else, how do I see God? When it's just me and the word, what's happening in my heart? When it's just me praying by myself, what's happening in my soul? That's the metric for our maturity. That's the standard for our relationship with the Lord. Not the things that we do, but what God does in us that produces a transformed life. But the hope is... That if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you fear the Lord, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, it's not coming out. It's not coming out. So I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. I don't think the word teaches because it's God who saves and who can undo what God does. So if your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can be confident that you will see your master face to face one day. And the evidence of that between this day and that is how God shows up in your life now. Not the stuff you do for him, but how God shows up in your life now. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to invite God into your life again. This may be real simple. You may be saying, I'm already saved. Okay, I got that. Invite God into your life and lay your life down as an altar of sacrifice. Say, God, you can have it all. God, you can, you can have it all. I'm going to give you a check and sign it, and you can put whatever amount you want in it, because God, you can have it all. Because that's what it looks like to fear the Lord, y'all. It means I fear the Lord more than I fear the opinions of men. I fear the Lord more than I fear what's going to happen to me in my circumstances. I've, I fear the Lord more than any other thing in my life. I fear the Lord because he is worthy of worship and praise. And I don't want to be faking, y'all. It takes too much effort to keep up a lie, don't it? It's just too much work to pretend. It's too much work to pretend 
that you're more righteous than you are, when you have access to the power to make you more righteous than you could ever dream. It's too much work to pretend to know God when God wants to be known. You see, the thing that you are pretending to be, God has made available for you to be in him and his power. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to fake it. The reality is some of us may have been walking in church and walking around the the Lord for so long that we don't even know if we're really saved. We've just been doing this church thing maybe for decades. But maybe we've never had a moment in our lives where we've made a decision to submit our whole life to him. We just got caught up in Christian activity. Family, that's bondage. That's pretending, and eventually it will crush you. And you'll cry out for help like everyone else cries out for help by breaking your life, by destroying that which you're trying to escape from. And God is saying, you don't have to do that. Just just come to me. Come to me. And those who fear the Lord, not those who are perfect, not those who know the Bible backwards and forwards, not those who read Hebrew and Greek, not those who got a degree in theology, not those who stand up on the stage, but those who fear the Lord are safe. He's not asking you to get your life right. He's asking you to come to him and let him do what only he can do. We're going to end with prayer today, but we're going to do something a little different. There may be some, someone in here that says, man, maybe that's me. I've just been doing this church thing for so long. I, I don't know if I ever really met Jesus. I mean, I read my Bible, I, I serve, I, I do stuff. But I don't know if I ever really had a moment of decision where I made Jesus the Lord and master of my life. And maybe you feel the weight of trying to be righteous without the power of God living in you. And it's crushing you. It's crushing you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. I want Because you don't have to be stuck there. And the fear of the Lord is going to begin right now with do you fear the Lord more than you fear the opinions of men? Every head bowed and every eye closed right now. If that's you, and you're saying, man, I've, I've never met Jesus. I know the Bible. I know what's right and wrong, and I try to do more right than wrong. But I don't think I have a relationship with a living God. I don't think I've met Jesus and he's transformed me. I don't think I have what I've heard about today. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed right there in your seat, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand? I see that hand. I see it. I see it. Thank you. I see it. I see it. Thank you. I see it. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you right in your seat. 
But those who know, when I pray for you, I always do the same thing. I ask you to pray for yourself first. So believers, in a moment when we pray right there in your seat, I want you to pray for the people to the left and to the right. I want you to pray for the people in this room. But if you raised your hand or know that you should have raised your hand, what I want you to do is I'm going to give you 30 seconds right now with your own words. I want you to talk to the Lord. I want you to surrender your life to the Lord. And let me give you the key to prayer, y'all. The key to prayer is just honesty. You don't have to say fancy words. You don't have to pray in the King James Version. Just be honest with the Lord and submit your life to him right where you are. Would everyone begin praying right now? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I pray for every name. Father, in the name of Jesus, God. Just move in power, God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I praise your name. Save, God. Save, Father. Save. Save, Father. God, save, Father. In the name of Jesus, God. In the name of Jesus, God. Thank you, Father, God. open up your mouth. Don't be afraid. Just say, God, I'm here. God, I surrender. Just say, God, I'm sorry. Say, God, I invite you into my life. Not to just to be a part of it, but to take it over. Just unburden yourselves before the Lord. Say, God, I want it to be real. I don't want to pretend. I want to meet you, God. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you as Lord and Savior now, not just as judge later. Just pray right in your seat. Just invite the Lord in. Acknowledge your need for him. Acknowledge his love for you. And in your own words, give him everything. Father, God, I pray for everyone who raised their hands and those who wanted to. God, I pray for those who did open up their mouths and prayed. And they prayed a prayer saying, God, I I don't know if I ever made a decision to follow you, but I want to today. God, I pray right now that you would just meet them in their moment of crying out, in their moment of desperation, in their moment of need. God, would you meet them, Father? Would you meet them, God? Don't let fear hold them back, God. Release them from fear, God. Release them from shame. Release them, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.